Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Jesus takes center stage. You know, we have people that stand up on the stage and lead us in worship. I get up and minister the word, but Jesus takes center stage because he is the resurrected Lord. The reality is, is, uh, you know, every day is resurrection day for us. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is the resurrection. He can resurrect a marriage. He can can resurrect your finances. He can resurrect your body. Whatever you need resurrected, Jesus can do it. Hallelujah. So anyway, Jesus takes the center stage. He is the one who resurrects. He's the one that turns it all around. Amen. So, uh, you know, I've had uh, people say, Pastor, help me. Well, I can't help you, but I know somebody that can. And his name is Jesus. I want to uh, share a particular verse in the Old Testament before I get to talking about the resurrection, because really there are four stages that people can go through. And so you might be able to identify, this is kind of a negative thing, but hallelujah, we can all turn it around. Jesus is the resurrection, no matter where you're at. And so we want to, I want to look at Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, after that generation died, the generation that saw the miracles uh, being brought out of Egypt, saw the miracles of uh, going into the promised land, saw the miracles of what God did. It said, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord nor remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Do you know what? One of the, char- one of the things that helps us as, as believers is to remember the things that God did, not just in the Bible. And if you don't, and if you don't think you've had any, th- any mighty things happen to you, then, I, then just go to the Bible because they're all part of the family. If you're saved, you're part of the family. Turn to somebody and say, you don't look like you're part of the family, but you're part of the family. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you, don't, if you don't respond, then I think you're not getting it. So it just takes me longer to get done. So let's, <laughs> let's get involved here. All right. So he says here that they didn't remember the mighty things which he did. So uh, with that said, I want to go to uh, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 deals with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, then uh, Mark chapter 15 would deal with the crucifixion. Christ. But we're not talking about the crucifixion of Christ today. We're talking about the resurrection. Let me just say this. Uh, 
when in the mind of God, when Christ died on the cross and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you died on the cross. I'm going to say that over here because when Christ died on the cross and you believe in Christ, then you died on the cross in the mind of God. Paul says it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So you died with Christ, you're buried with Christ, and you're resurrected with Christ. That's what baptism is all about. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is Christ alive? then if Christ is alive, then you should be showing signs of life. And what I mean by alive is not just on life support. You should be showing signs of resurrection life. When Jesus said, when Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly, he's talking about giving you life as God has it. Resurrection life, eternal life. My grand, I couldn't talk my grandfather into it, but he says you cannot know that, you're, that, you're, uh, that you have eternal life until you get there. I said you got to know it before you get there. Because the scripture says that we have eternal life now when we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. So... Let's go to Acts chapter 16. And I just want to give you the purpose of this message this morning. We want to talk about getting the resurrected Christ off of the back burner. Anybody know what the back burner is? Well, back in the wood, uh, we have a back burner on our stove. But back in the, uh, uh, back in the days where they, uh, you know, they had the wood stoves and they cooked with wood stoves, the hot burners were on the front and the cooler burners, even though they were warm, they're on the back. So what, what pots do you think get the most attention? The ones on the front, because you don't want them to burn and you're still adding, you're still adding things. A lot of times we put Christ on the back burner. We put the resurrected Christ on the back burner, and uh, the Lord spoke to me this morning. He said, some, some, uh, some people have put Christ in the refrigerator. <laughs> and that all deals with our heart. Is Christ, on, is Christ hot in your heart? Is he warm in your heart, or is he in the refrigerator? Just a thought. He says here, let's go to, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today, so i got to read fast, which is impossible, but anyway. He says in Acts, did I say Acts, it's Mark. Mark 16, 1, he says, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, sound familiar? Katie was talking about her. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. They were expecting to anoint a dead Jesus. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door 
of the sepulcher. I want to just tell you this because I preached a whole sermon on this one time. But a lot of times we are worried about things Christ has already taken care of. You know, the stone was already rolled away. God had already taken care of the problem, and here they're worried about it. How many of you were, how many, do we have, don't raise your hands. But how many of you are worriers and it never comes to pass? You're worried about things that never come to pass. You are burning a lot of energy. Thank you, Lord. So they said, who's going to roll the stone away from the sepulcher for us? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering the sepulcher, which is the grave, the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed with, uh, in a long white garment, and they were affrightened, or they were afraid. How many of you know a lot of times when God starts showing up, people get a little shaky? That's why we have, that's why we tame our religion. Because we don't want the real supernatural showing up. But hallelujah, that's when we put him on the refrigerator. We need to get him out of the refrigerator, out of the back burner, and get him on the front burner. It says that he said unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they lay him. But go your way and tell the disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him as he said unto you. Remember, he had already told them, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to be dead for three days. But on the third day, I'm going to rise, and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And it says, and they went out quickly, and they fled from the sepulcher or the tomb, for they, uh, for they trembled and were amazed, and, uh, and neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. I just want to point this out quickly that some people say that that's where Mark chapter 16 ends. But you know what? That doesn't line up with the other three Gospels. Because they don't want to get to verse, uh, they don't want to get to verse 17 and 18. It says, Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Who did he appear first to? Mary Magdalene, what was she? She was a woman. What was her occupation? Well, let's just say this. She was overly sexually active with more than one partner. Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. How would you like that on the back of your name? Hallelujah, at least she got free. Some people are still carrying their demons. Anyway. And she went out and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And, and they, when they heard that he was alive and had, and had been seen of her, they believed not. There's two reasons why they didn't believe. One was because she was a woman. 
And a woman's testimony was not valid in a court of law. Say, we've come a long way. Aren't you glad? We've come a long way. And another thing, grief keeps you from faith. How many of you know depression keeps you from faith? Fear keeps you from faith. So that's why the scripture says over 365 times, fear not. He wants us to get beyond and he wants us to get into faith. He wants us to put Christ first place in our life. He wants Christ to be hot in our lives. He goes on to say in verse 12, and after he appeared uh, another in another form unto two of them as they walked into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, and neither did they believe them. And afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. They weren't, uh, they weren't that grieved that they couldn't eat. I don't like to, I heard this from a preacher, so I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. How many of you know that sometimes after the funeral we, we gather together for the, for the meal in our grieving? You know, man, that was a real good, that, I really loved that guy. You know, he was such good. Could you pass me the, ma- the mashed potatoes? <laughs> yeah, they were grieved about Jesus, but come on, pass me the potato salad. He appeared, unto, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them. Can you imagine the first thing Jesus... Now, he appears to Mary Magdalene. He encourages her, but when he gets to his disciples, he upbraids them. He upbraids them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. I want to I say this. Do you, uh, do you know the definition of unbelief? Unbelief is I refuse to believe. Doesn't mean that you doubt. You can doubt. But unbelief is I refuse to believe. They refuse to believe Mary Magdalene. They refuse to believe the two, the two men that saw Jesus. And so he upbraided them. For their unbelief. And when we walk into unbelief, then we get something called hardness of heart. Remember the first scripture I read back in the Old Testament? It talked about, uh, it talked about that the children of Israel got to the place to where they didn't acknowledge God because they, could, they did not remember the things that he did. I want to talk about four stages for a second. First is inspiration. How many of you have had inspiration with the Lord? Man, you've seen God. God's talked to you. God's changed your heart. Man, you've got all excited about it. And then what happens next, usually in the next generation, is formalization. You go from inspiration to formalization. We heard about what our parents got through. We hear about how the Lord worked in our parents' life, but so we acknowledge that and we walk in the formalization of it. But then the next generation, they come to crystallization. How many of you know crystal is hard? 
But you know what? Crystal is also brittle. They're easily broken. What stage are you walking at? You know, I've, I've, uh, I've probably walked in all of those. I went, I, I, when I received Jesus in 1967, man, I, I had an experience. Oh, man, it was like, it was amazing. I never, I never experienced any, anything like that before. You know, and then I went back home. I didn't have a very good home life. And so anyway, it started to dull. It started to dull. I went in the Navy, put it on the back. I put Jesus on the back shelf, put Jesus on the back burner. I got in the ministry. Oh, you think he's hot now? Woo. Yeah. But then you get to the place where you're just so disappointed after time, after time, after time, and you get into crystallization. But I tell you what, I'm back to inspiration now. Where are you at? Are you in inspiration, formalization, or crystallization? Are you hard? God can take that hard heart and make it soft again. God, you know, I want you to be alive in Christ. I want, I want Christ to be hot in your life. And the reality is, is Christ is always hot. It's the one, we're the ones that get cold. Thank you, Lord. Where did I quit? Oh. Let's go, let's go on to verse 15. He says, Then he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Do we have any believers here? In my name. They shall cast out devils or demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, a lot of times we put Christ on the back burner because we think he's ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's not doing anything today. I want to tell you that there's that Jesus said in John chapter 5, he said, my father is always working and I am working. God is always working. Jesus is still working. Thank you, Lord. So let's go on to prove this. And he says, and he said, uh, and so after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven sat down on the right hand of God and has taken a vacation until he's ready to come back. No, that's not what it says. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them with signs following. What's Jesus doing? He's not just sitting there. You know, me personally, I'm not a multitasker. I'm either doing something or I'm doing nothing. My wife, on the other hand, she's got multiple things going on. Multiple things. When she starts to clean the house, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad anymore, but when she would clean the house, I would have to leave. I don't know if it was conviction or what. 
I got tired of getting told what to do is what it was. <laughs> Who's preaching? I got the mic today. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. One of the things I just wanted, just wanted to, uh, to, to go over to Acts chapter 3. That's our next section of scripture. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to read some of it. Again, the resurrected Christ has to be, take center stage in our lives. I want to get us past the place where Jesus is just a historical figure in our lives. Is Jesus active today? The Bible says that he, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Therefore, the church isn't totally built yet, so he is still actively building his church and building his kingdom. You know, you said, well, I'm waiting for the kingdom to get built. No, he wants you to join in. He doesn't want to have all the fun. He wants you to have fun with him. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I don't have the faith you do. Believe me. Believe me. A lot of times he tells me to do something. I have no faith at all. All I have is obedience. You have to step into faith and once you or when you have to step into obedience and once you step into obedience then the faith starts coming as you see him start to work. The Lord works with you confirming the word with signs following. You think that do you think that the that Jesus quit doing miracles? Some people say, "Well, he he stopped doing miracles after the last apostle died." Well, the last apostle hasn't died. You know, 300 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the church fathers were, write, were writing things down, and they were still healing the sick, and they were still casting out devils 300 years later. I don't think John lived that long. As a matter of fact, one, one of the church fathers, you know, the Roman Empire, and by the way, the Romans knew how to kill people. When they said Jesus was dead, he was dead. But anyway, the, the Roman Empire was persecuting the Christian church. And so one of, the, one of the church fathers wrote a letter to the emperor and says, Oh, by the way, some of your, some of your uh, governors and leaders, we've already, we have healed them and we've cast the devil out of them. Wow. So they were still doing the stuff. Somebody say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, you don't have to do it. You can be bored. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, Again, I just want to give you the scripture reference for this. In John chapter 5, verse 17, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I am working. 
How many of you know who Saul of Tarsus was? What did Saul of Tarsus do? He was persecuting the church. He was, he was murdering Christians, and he was putting them in prison. And as he was going to Damascus to do the same thing, that Jesus, who you think is sitting on the throne doing nothing, comes down in a light and knocks Paul in a blinding light, knocks Paul to the ground. He is blinded, and Jesus starts talking to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. Well, I thought he was sitting on the throne. Apparently, he must be multitasking. He must be multitasking. He's doing more than just sitting on the throne, ever living to make make intercession for him. And I wanted to say that because there are testimonies of millions of Muslims that have received Christ because Christ appeared to them. When I, uh, after I uh, was married, going to church, believing God, I had this inferiority complex, and I couldn't see how God could love me because of all the stuff I did. We're not going to rehearse all the stuff I did. But I couldn't see how God... I remember Melody hadn't gotten back from work yet. I was, uh, I'd gotten home early, so I was doing dishes. Did you hear that? Doing dishes. And I was, uh, as I was doing dishes, I said, I said, Lord, I just can't see how you could love me. And I remember I was facing the wall. The window was behind me. And all of a sudden, I saw Jesus hanging on the cross, bloodied, crown of thorns, nailed to a cross. And he showed me that he loved me in that picture. Don't tell me Jesus isn't doing anything today. Thank you, Lord. He is still working today. He is still. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 3. And... uh, Verse 1, now this is some years after, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It says this, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and he asked alms of them that entered into the temple. Who's seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? Ask alms. Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, Look on us. Then he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. I want to, I want to just, just tell you something. If you're just coming to church and you're not expecting anything, that's what you're going to get. This guy was expecting money. John Osteen, he said, uh, he, he told us, he says, this guy was asking for alms and he got legs. <laughs> I love John Osteen. But... 
Jesus is not doing nothing. They said, look on us. He says, and, and Peter, then Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He, Peter, and John wrote a check, but they signed Jesus' name. Now, who backed up that? Jesus backed up his own name. When you write the check and you sign Jesus' name on what he's told you to buy, then he is going to fulfill what he promised. So they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked, entered with them in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. How many of you walking? You know, uh, I think sometimes we need to imitate some of the things in the Bible. If you're walking, you ought to start leaping. You ought to start dancing. You ought to start, well, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I'd rather be a fool for Christ than uh, look good in the world's eyes. Walking and leaping. And praising God. And a lot of times I do it, I do, I do it in the privacy of my home. One thing because I'm 68 years old and I just don't look as good. I just don't dance as good as I used to. I actually danced. I, I was actually on the on the television station and I was tape dancing when I was a teenager. They wouldn't tape me now. (laughs) But I do a little dance. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, you know, you can only sing about a couple of words of some songs, and that's about as far as you can go. But So anyway, the Bible says, And the lame man which was healed was held... Oh, let's read verse 10. I forgot that. He says... He says, and they that uh, that was, and they, and they knew that it was he which sat at sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. In other words, these people knew who this guy was. That he was lame, he couldn't walk. It says, and they were, and and, uh, and they were filled with wonder and amazement that uh, at that which had happened unto him as the lame man which was healed held on to Peter and John all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is Solomon's porch greatly wondering and Peter when he saw it he answered the people and said ye men of Israel why marvel ye at this or why look ye earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk this is a this is a key that each one of us need to take on well I can't do that I don't have the power Well Peter just tells tells them they're not they didn't it didn't happen because he was an apostle It didn't happen because he had the power. He said it happened because of Jesus. 
That guy that we want to put on the throne, he's not doing anything. No, the guy, he's come off the back burner, he's on the front burner, and he's still doing the miraculous. Thank you, Lord. He goes on to say, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers who glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer. Man, do you hear this scripture? Pilate wanted to let him go, but you wanted a murderer. Don't look so holy. You probably do the same thing. We'd all do the same thing. And, and, oh, and listen to this. And, they, and you killed the prince of life. Whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And I just want to uh, go back a chapter in another sermon, Peter's, Peter's preaching. It says in verse 24, Whom God hath raised up and loosed the pains of death, because it was impossible that he should be held by death. I'll tell you what, when Jesus, is lie, when Jesus is in your life, it is impossible for death to have a stranglehold on you. Amen. You say, well, we all got to die sometime. Jesus said, he who believes in me shall never die. Oh, so we got a problem. Either we don't understand the scriptures or Jesus is lying. I, you know who I believe? I think you have a problem interpreting the scriptures. What he's saying is, is that when you believe in Jesus, your spirit man will never die. Amen. You know, even the unrighteous never die. But when you have eternal life, you have life as God has it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Remember, he said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, do you know, maybe, maybe the natural world doesn't recognize that name, but the spirit world does. It recognizes the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. I just want us to go on over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I wrote the shortest sermon I've ever done, and I still can't do it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But as we're, as we're going, as we're going, I, don't, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Jogging through James. Yes. Well, we're going to pick up the pace. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. But before we say this, you know, we talked about that it was impossible for Christ to be held by the power of death. There's some other impossible things in the word. It is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11. Romans chapter 3 verses 3 and 4 let God be true and every man a liar. 
If there is denial, it's uh, who's God is not the liar. Oh, thank you, Lord. And it is impossible to please God without believing what he said. He says in 1 Corinthians, or no, he says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did Jesus do the miraculous when he was here? Well, he hasn't changed. He's just using you. Thank you, Lord. So, in Hebrew, or first, first Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three, Paul the apostle said, "For I received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and." said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask that you take your, uh, your packet here. Remember to pull, there's two flaps. Pull back the first flap. How many of you know you have to have faith? Jesus said, this is my body. Now, I don't have to try to figure out how it is. I don't have to believe that it changes into the literal flesh of Jesus. But I do know that Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. What happens when his body was broken for you? He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon us, and with his stripes we are healed. So with that in mind, let's take of the body of Christ. Like I said, you have to have faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And then he goes on to say, he said, after, after the same manner also, he took the cup and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take of the cup so that we remember Jesus. So what's this all about? It's to remind us of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and all the benefits that come with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then lastly, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he come. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? He's coming back. And all I've got to say is, is he in your refrigerator? Is he, in, is he on the back burner? Or do you have him on the front burner? Is Jesus hot in your life? Thank you, Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Are you hot for Jesus? Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
in the name of Jesus, by faith, we believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. He is risen into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for me, so I acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior. I believe he's coming again, and I love his appearing. In Jesus' name, amen.